You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams, and in this episode, we unfortunately conclude our four weeks of horror with a discussion of the films The Silence of the Lambs and Raw. Here to discuss the films with me is returning guest, Mr. Cameron Rice. Listen, that's how I feel every time October ends. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I don't I don't have it. I, I could just watch a horror movie every day still and tweet about it, but in November, December, people would be like, that's weird. Yeah, this is, uh, look at this weird guy over here. As opposed to October, everyone's like, "Yeah, <laughs> like you're on a like you're on a marathon team running together." <laughs> That's right. That is right. Before getting into our discussion, I would like to mention that we are proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. Search Deliberate Noise in your podcast app for more great shows from the network. And we are also sponsored by Audible. For you, the listeners of Plain Label Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to check them out. To download your audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com/plainlabel. Again, it is audibletrial.com slash plain label for your free audio book. Mr. Cameron Rice, it's the middle of the day. What are yeah. we being grown-ups for <laughs> and drinking in the middle of the day? What are we having? I do have a coffee, but next to that coffee is just the tiniest, tiniest little bit of uh, whiskey on the rocks. Oh, nice. Just enough to get a good little buzz going, but I do have to do, and I, I'll plug it now because I might forget later. Sure. Uh, it already would have aired, but you could still go check it on YouTube. Today, I'm doing movie fights over on Screen Junkies. It's movie fights horror, and I'm facing off against uh, Clark Wolf, who's this uh, great internet uh, personality and critic, and she's known for her horror stuff, and uh, my friend Emma, who's also a horror person. So awesome. we're facing off today. Uh, so by the time people hear this, would have already aired, but you can go check it out on the Screen Junkies YouTube. Awesome, awesome. So I got to drive to Beverly Hills, so I'm like, I can't get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> that is good times. <laughs> well, um, mainly just to not disappoint Alan, because I know Alan gave me some static and uh, raised some eyebrows when I mentioned that I was just drinking coffee. So mm-hmm. I decided that I did have coffee here next to me, but I decided just for him that I would have a beer, and it is from New Belgium. And it is called Voodoo Ranger IPA, and it's got a little skeleton. Oh, I've had the Voodoo, yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah, it's got a little skeleton, it's got a little, uh, like a little ranger hat on top of him, a little, uh, oh, what are those, uh, single engine planes called, where you like a crop dusting kind of plane? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got those sort of ear flaps and stuff like that on there. So anyway, so that's what I'm having, that's what Cameron's having. And I think we're ready to go. So our first discussion, our first film, it is from 1991. If you've seen any of the horror movies we've talked about, you've probably seen this one. It is The Silence of the Lambs. You spook easily, Starling? Not yet, sir. He's past the others. The last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. A killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots them, skins them, and dumps them. A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's got real physical strength, cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. With the darkest of all minds. 
just do your job and never forget what he is. But he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So close to the way you're going to catch him. Do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't spook easily. You call this easy, sir? Lester's missing hand arm. Man's a raging maniac. Who knows what he'll do? The IMDb plot synopsis, and these are a doozy. So I will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it goes like this. I'll just say it. I won't even prep it. So it goes like this: Clarice Starling, a young intelligent FBI trainee, has been sent to the Baltimore State Hospital for the criminally insane to interview an inmate, Doctor Hannibal the Cannibal Lecter, a brilliant, renowned psychiatrist turned infamous psychopathic serial killer. She must match wits with Lecter who has the darkest of all minds, and trust him to give her clues in the search for Buffalo Bill, a nickname given to a loose, unknown, unstoppable, psychopathic serial killer. So someone likes their adjectives, is what I got from that one. They could not just describe someone oh. as being a serial killer. They had to... That's how you gotta, that's how you get people, all those adjectives. <laughs> you gotta load up on the adjectives. Okay, so, Cameron, this is your selection, because if people didn't figure it out, I picked all the new ones and Cameron picked all the older ones. Uh, so, oh, yeah. what, why did you pick The Silence of the Lambs to go along with my selection? Well, uh, the pretty basic things of cannibalism. <laughs> uh, pretty basic. It worked out pretty well. Um, I was really close to a spit take for me there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's also I for me selfishly. I got this on Criterion uh, when it came out, maybe like a year ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't really had a chance to sit down and watch it, so I was like, "Here's an excuse." <laughs> um, yeah, and it's also it's a, it's a movie I love. It's uh, also I feel like uh, it's coming up a lot in this year because you have movies like. Uh, uh, Hereditary coming out, and these other horror films that people are like, will the Academy ignore a horror movie? They didn't in 1991. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna rewatch Silence of the Lambs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And guess, again, the cannibal tone. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the only thing that I think of when I think of the Silence of the Lambs is, is it's as much of a thriller, police sort of movie with some horror aspects in it. Yes, I kind of also wonder how much of that also is because. A number of the police tropes and things like that, like it's almost like uh, try it. It, it kind of started this a big thing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I don't know if we have seven without silence. Oh yeah, I think that's a good point. There's a number of like police procedural, like look how fucked. I like CSI, all these shows that now we simply think of as police procedurals. We go watch Silence of the Lambs and go, oh well, that's all the police procedural stuff. But I'm kind of like, did this really? I think maybe the other. Um, the other uh, Hannibal book that Michael Mann directed, Mindhunter, kind of also has that kind of very procedural uh, police kind of thing to it. But outside of that, there's a degree of like, I don't know if those things really existed in pop culture and television and stuff like that before Silence and Manhunter. Sure. Hmm. I can see that. 
I can see that. So, uh, so you have a, a long history with this, like you said. You've you've seen it several times, and just decided this was the time to uh, to break out the Criterion. Is basically oh, yeah. your history with it. Um, There's so many. This is one of those ones that's like I remember, and we've talked about this kind of thing before. The movie poster that sticks in your head when you oh, see it yeah. in the video store. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it took years and years and years. Uh, and I remember pointing this out to people in high school when I found it because I'm that obnoxious guy. Who's <laughs> like, did you know? <laughs> um, but what I love about the Silence of the Lambs poster is that the butterfly skull. Have you? Do you know about this? Ooh, I, I guess I don't know if I know. I'm looking. It, I'm looking at it right now. Close up on the butterfly skull on the back. It's three different people. It's not actually a skull. Oh, I did not notice that. I do see it is. Uh, it looks like five people to me. Oh yes, yes it is. It's five people, okay. and I believe that's a uh, dolly art piece. Really, that's crazy. Nope, had no idea. Just thought it was a skull. Yeah, huh. and I remember when I found that. I, I can't remember why I found that out. I think I was doing like an art thing, and um, like tried to do a close up, and I was like, "Those are that's hair. That's a person." Hmm. Yeah, it's a Salvador Dali art. Wow, piece. crazy. That is crazy looking. Yep, and the teeth are uh, people's feet. Uh, the, yeah, the bottoms of their feet. Huh. Wow. There you go. So if uh, you didn't take anything else from our discussion, Cameron just got that for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, those are the things. Was like, I, mean, I remember that poster and I remember all this other stuff. So then finally seeing the movie, which again also would have been around elementary school, I was just like, this because it, it has a <laughs> slow burn quality to it, but also the way uh, Jonathan Demi films it, where it is like, you are, people are looking right down the barrel of the lens. Ooh, yes, I want to talk about that for sure, yes. And I love that, but it's very unsettling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a movie that, uh, so 91, I'm in middle school? Yeah, yeah, I'm in middle, I'm either, uh, yeah, I'm in middle school. And I remember seeing this when it came out on VHS, and it was a deal, again, at Video Kingdom there in North Platte, Nebraska, over in the western part of the state. And it was a deal where, uh, I had saw the poster and I did, you know, check out plenty of horror movies there and, and got this. And, and by that time, I believe it had already won the different awards and that sort of thing when I got it, I think. And so I just, I knew of it. I knew that it was like a critically acclaimed, uh, horror type of a movie. And I remember getting it and my parents kind of not really paying attention. And I was like, Oh, I'll just watch this when I'm supposed to be babysitting after I put my little sister to sleep. And so I, I remember watching it and I remember, um, you know, buying into just, you know, buying into all the hype and just loving it, even though, you know, I wasn't quite the contrarian like I am now where I see a movie that everyone loves and I'm like, oh, it wasn't that good. You know, that wasn't quite uh, into my personality yet, apparently. And so the uh, the reason that I was glad that you had brought it up this time for this recording is this is one of if not my if not the uh, favorite movie from my wife like she absolutely mm. loves 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 this movie uh every time it comes on if there's just like you know we have if she happens to see it on HBO or something like that or or if we're um if we would ever like go through our Hulu account and see that it's on there or something just as an example she would want to watch it right like she uh will look for a movie to watch She's it's, like a, at, it's like a Terminator 2 who is for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's looking over at my DVDs, and she's like, oh, let's do Silence of the Lambs. I was like, God, you've seen that so many times. Yeah, I know. You know, And so she's seen it more recently than I had. And so uh, watching it this time, 
I got about the first third or so before she got home from work. But one of the things that you mentioned that I wanted to bring up was the fact that they have all of these characters staring directly at the camera. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is if you look at Jodie Foster, she's looking almost directly at the camera. Like she's just a little off center. And mm-hmm. so then I was wondering, okay, so is the camera representative of of Clarice? Is she supposed to be the camera? And so that's why it's so unsettling because it's like we're her and it's like we're there and all of those things. Because you see Crawford, you see Lecter, obviously, and you see even uh, her roommate. All of them are just staring directly at her throughout, right. the, throughout the film or through, and you know, and by that account, they're staring directly at us. And so that was something that, you know, I'm sure that I had noticed before, but this time around was really like, holy shit, like, look at this, like, look at them having them stare directly at her slash us and then look at her and she's just slightly off. Like, she's not quite yes. looking at the camera. Well, I so love I that, that and I love anytime Lecter's doing it, he's just got that slight shadow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That really makes his eyes like just pop right out. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other things that I immediately noticed was I love how they play with because Jodie Foster is notoriously short, right? And so I love yes. that they play with that because they immediately have her in a different color than those the kind of other FBI recruits in the elevator. She's the only woman. She's super short, and they're all in red, and they're super tall. All of those guys, right? I like that um there's just all of this sort of she's the other in this world. And even though that she has a roommate who's also a woman and a black woman at that, I like that Jodie Foster is our other character. And she's the sort of one that is is different. And I didn't know that if that was in the script, if that was in the book, or if that's just a demi sort of creation, or what exactly, or a combination of those things or what. But I thought that that was something that was really particularly... Um, engaging was that before she's really on her mission, she's set apart from everyone else. And it's like, well, this is, she's different than everybody else in this, in this movie. I think a lot of that was the book, but I think Demi does a great job of portraying it. Mm. Uh, it's kind of interesting to talk about Demi as well before this. Cause I mean, once he does this movie <laughs> and then follows it up with Philadelphia, Demi is like, everyone's like, Oh, Jonathan Demi, you know what I mean? But before that he does like, Married to the Mob right. and something wild and Talking Heads concert movie. Like he was kind of a comedic director. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was the producers who were like, uh, they wanted to bring him on. And I think even he was just like, well, this isn't my thing. Like this is like these kind of murder. Like I'm kind of, it's a kind of grisly. That's also why he didn't come back to do Hannibal mm. is he thought Hannibal was just too beyond the pale. Yeah. I was like revel- um, reveling in all of the gore and stuff. Yes. Um, and he was like, well, this isn't really my thing. And I think they, it like once Jodie Foster and like Jodie Foster was even iffy about it. And then when they met, they kind of both figured out together like, oh, we could do something kind of cool. Um, and I kind of love it. I love Jonathan Demme's like kind of both the subtle hand and then the very uh, in your face hand. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of comes from working like Jonathan Demme, for those who don't know, uh, kind of came from uh, exploitation, mm. like working with Roger Corman and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did a lot of like the race racetrack movies and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I know how to make something look dirty and cheap and all this other stuff, but I also want to be able to have a deft hand dealing with different kinds of things. Um, yeah, I love Jonathan Demi. I also love. Um, I don't want to bypass Scott Glenn as Crawford. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So good. He's he has that terrific, and I think you see more of it now when he's sort of playing like his stick thing and he's doing like his old man shtick 
But yes, but you see this sort of like he's just kind of gross, like he's just kind of like a he's just such a like a like a dude, like a gross kind of dude. And here he's playing like this kind of to me he comes off as like this uh, predatory sort of man in charge, and he's just kind of this like uh, I'm smarter and slash more powerful than you, so you need to do and listen to what I say. And she's kind of fighting against that, but then you know he he keeps fucking her over. In this movie, like he's keep he doesn't give her all of the uh, information that she really needs because he knows that Lecter will figure it out, blah blah blah, and he just keeps on giving her the shaft in this movie. Crawford has, has always kind of been an interesting character because in the in the um, Red Dragon book, he's also the same guy who mm-hmm. kind of brings back uh, brings the character back, the main character who's not Clarice, uh, Will Graham, mm-hmm. after Will has almost been killed. <laughs> And he's like, right. come on, get back into the field. But it's the fact that he's trying to be a good cop. He's not like a sleazy asshole trying to get his people killed. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I – and it's so good. And I think uh, we'd be remiss to not mention the controversy around the film. Do you know about this? Mm, I don't think so. So the fact that – and understandably, you have, we all have to remember when this movie came out. This is 1991, um, February 1991. Uh, the uh, LGBTQ community, uh, which at that point I think was just the gay community, was pretty upset that the villain seemingly being gay was oh, what made him the I villain. See. I see. Uh, and even Demi kind of owned up to that and said, you know what, I didn't see it that way. There was uh, speculation. He he denied it, but there was speculation that that's why his next movie was Philadelphia. Hmm. Uh, was to kind of say like, hey, that's not what I was trying to do. But he he's even denied that. But uh, even on the Criterion disc, they talk about, like, they wish they had, because in the book, they make it very clear that Buffalo Bill, uh, isn't, because there's a, even, a, I think there's a line that's like, is he gay? No, he's not. He's something else. He's this, that, the other, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then they did not put that in the movie. So they mm-hmm. even said they kind of wish they had made it very clear. This character is not gay equals gay psychopathic equal, yeah. killer. <laughs> yeah. I guess I think of it more, Ooh, maybe it's maybe I didn't think of this at the time, but I think now I I think of it more like the Red Dragon stuff, where it's just a crazy guy that is like transforming because that's a big Harris thing, right? It was the transformation. Oh, yeah. He loves that. And so I I just kind of think of it now as that, because we had uh you know we had Lord Voldemort wanting to be a dragon, and here we have this guy wanting to transform as well. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. And I mean, a lot of this is also based off of um, Ed Gein, the mm-hmm. real life killer who mm-hmm. gave us so many movies. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, not just movies that are based on Ed Gein, but um, <laughs> Psycho, Texas Chainsaw, and then this. Um, so, yeah, but it, uh, that seems to be kind of the only controversy surrounding. And it's an understandable one. Again, 1991, we're coming. We're not that far out of the AIDS crisis. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, gay people being villainized. So it totally makes sense as to why people would be like, what the fuck? Yeah, really. You know, looking at, uh, going back to Jonathan Demi real quick, looking at his filmography, he is a guy that doesn't ever really seem to be in a hurry to make a lot of movies. Like, he does a lot of work, but he had this and then Philadelphia really you know, pretty soon. But then after that, you know, he's riding high. He can kind of do whatever you would want, he would want, you would think. Yes. And he, you know, jumps on the uh, the sort of... Mm, he jumps on Beloved. I, I was going to say like the Oprah Winfrey vehicle or the Toni Morrison Beloved 
uh, books. Which I, I have not seen Beloved. Have you seen Beloved? Oh, I've seen Beloved. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's a lot like the, it's a lot like the book. Like it's a drag. You know, I mean, yeah. it's well done, but it's, it's just, it's sort of like Philadelphia to where you're like, God, it's good, but man, is it a sh- like, it is a pain to watch kind of. I feel like, I feel like Demi kind of, yeah, he did a couple of very serious movies after Silence and then, uh, I feel like, Rachel getting married made a lot of people feel like, oh, he's back. Because mm-hmm. he did Even the he, he did the remake of the Manchurian Candidate, which I feel a lot of people have kind of turned around on. I think, yeah, at first I think it, was, it was. I think it's pretty good. I have the DVD. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people at first when it came out were like, why? Even with a good cast, people were like, why? And I feel like now, almost what, fifteen years later since the, that movie came out, uh, that w- it's uh, tw- it, yeah, fifteen ish years, fourteen years, yeah. I feel like people have kind of turned around on that movie, and now it's kind of like, oh, that Denzel's Manchurian Candidate is pretty good kind of a thing. <laughs> but yeah, Rachel Getting Married, that was one that, uh, that Rachel Zelag and myself did on this, on this podcast. That's a, that's a movie that's kind of a, it was kind of like Anne Hathaway's being real serious kind of movie. Yes. Well, that was, I think, the first time she got nominated. Mm-hmm, I think so. I believe so. Um, yeah, no, it's it's one of those interesting things. Uh, and he passed away last year, I think, mm-hmm. last year, the year before. Uh, did Demi, and uh, it, it's one of those like interesting, kind of sad things. Is it kind of feels like he passed away, and only like hardcore film fans really paid attention to it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know. It, it's kind of that weird. <laughs> it's that weird world we live in of. Uh, you know, you have to essentially. You kind of had to have continued making the biggest movies of all time. Yeah, really. uh, <laughs> to for, be recognized. For, yeah, yeah, because it also happened to um, the director who now, ironically, his name uh, has escaped me. Is uh, the director who did L.A. Confidential? Oh, Curtis Hanson. Curtis Hanson. He passed away like two or three years ago, and I feel like neither, no, no not a blip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Curtis Hanson made a lot of great movies. Yeah, they just weren't L.A. Confidential big. Well, and that's and it's kind of unfortunate the, that uh, Jonathan Demme's last movie is Ricky and the Flash. Uh, I didn't see it. Did you get around to seeing it? You know, I saw that trailer, and I just I did read a few uh, a few reviews on it, and it was just like this is just kind of a the you know sort I know, of like a, a nothing movie. I know is a Diablo Cody vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, which can be hit or miss for some people. I'm not big on. Some of her earlier, uh, I, I didn't like Juno. I know, uh, I kind of, uh, ostracized half of the audience there, Cameron. Thank yeah, you. well, Thank I, that's you. fine. That's your uh, job. That's your role. But I did love <laughs> last year Tully. Oh, really? See, I haven't seen Tully. Uh, I really love Tully. And, uh, that's, you know, that was that, that was, and I really liked Young Adult. So, yeah, and I, I thought I, Young I, Adult was fun, sure. But yeah, I have not gotten to Ricky and the Flash. And I'd like to, considering, yeah, it's Jonathan Demi's last movie. Yeah. So, hmm. Uh, so yeah. So what else? Uh, what else about the movie? I mean, we haven't talked about Anthony Hopkins. I think that that's the thing that sort of dominates the film. Yeah, and, I, and it's a little bit why I think we haven't at the moment, and yeah. not to you know, but it's hard not to. I mean, he's so good. He really he does jump off the screen. That that's one of those famous. Um, did you know Anthony Hopkins is only in the movie for blank amount of time, but won the Academy Award <laughs> kind of thing? Because yeah. mm-hmm. I think he's only in it for. 15, maybe not even, like, actually, maybe it's only, like, eight minutes mm-hmm. of total screen time kind of a thing. Um, but he's great, and you totally, like, there's something, it, him in that role is, and the reason it works is because everyone, 
else around him, mainly Jodie Foster, but everyone else around him uh, except for Buffalo Bill is playing it pretty subtle. Mm-hmm. So he's able to be as big as he is, and he's playing to the hilt a couple yeah. times. Well, and he, the nice thing about it is he's big, but he's not cartoonish, and no. he's and he's big, and yet Jodie Foster is able to sort of ground everything and be real when he's being when he's doing that and and it it comes across as this is not anthony hopkins being big this is just this character trying to either intimidate her or or be this personality yes and and so she's sort of reacting to that in an intelligent way and i mean she is tremendous like i watching it this time i had a lot more respect for her because i think i got caught up in the oh it's it's this anthony hopkins movie and yeah. watching her, I'm like, God, she is so good when they when they are going back and forth, either when they first meet or later, and or when they're in the uh, the cell towards the end before he escapes and that sort of thing. Like, I just was really had a lot more respect for her in that role of you know, and it's kind of a thankless role. I mean, obviously she won best <laughs> best actress, so it's not really that thankless, but but it's the less showy role by you know a factor of a hundred. But she she's really really good in it. Oh yeah, no, she's great. I think Jodie Foster's phenomenal in it. Um, and uh, you know, despite the controversies, Ted Levine, I think as Buffalo Bill, oh, is awesome. So creepy. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. the most the 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 part that gets me the most, I think, still, is uh, we have the woman in the well, and she's screaming after she sees the uh, the fingernail. Oh yeah, in the wall, and he like grabs his shirt and kind of just yells. For no oh, real yeah. reason. That's the part where I'm like, holy shit, this guy. And of course, the uh, I'd fuck me stuff is disturbing and all that kind of stuff. But but the but that one was where would, when he's interacting with another human, I was like, oh my god, like he is ah, no joke. He is so scary in that. Yeah, it's great. It's like even if you know, and I, I love uh, the um, ending with the uh, night vision. Oh, the night vision. Okay, yes, the uh, the all is lost moment, right? Or like the uh, the the hero at the. Uh... <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so creepy and so unsettling in mm-hmm. so many ways. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, I love, I love that. Because there's something about again, it's it's the Hitchcock version of suspense, which is like the audience knows something, mm-hmm. even if the main character doesn't. So we're sitting there watching Clarice, and we're like, oh my god, he's right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. That Turn is... around. <laughs> oh, and then you know, I love the thing where it's—he's not just looking; he's got to stick his hand out and almost touch her two or three times. Oh. Right. So creepy. So anyone like my wife, anyone that does not like being in dark rooms, you know, <laughs> like if we watch a movie and it's completely dark, like the the photo I sent you, we cannot watch scary movies in the complete dark. You have to have one light on, and she'll still. Be very scared. Uh, so what was great about that photo was that she she could not handle the cat was totally chilled out. <laughs> Just chill. The cat looks way stoned in that picture. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> so that was pretty good. Um, one of the other things that I really really thought was well done, and it goes back to Demi, is when we go to that the uh, the first victim, the what third or fourth found, the one that's weighted down. Oh when yes, we, yes. When we go to that person's house. And she starts figuring it out. I love the sort of searching camera to where it's again, like basically it's on her forehead and 
the camera keeps looking around and finding mm-hmm. different things. And I just thought that that was so well done because it adds that little bit of here is the character thinking and trying to figure it out. Yes. Right. To where, and this is always my go-to, but it, when we have something like the Dan Brown adaptations and all of a sudden Tom Hanks thinks for a second and then he's like, Ooh, got it. Like we don't get to see him working it out. Yeah. We don't understand what he just got. Yeah, We don't understand what it were, what he's figuring. And so I think that that was so well done in this movie. That was something where I was like, Oh God, that's so smart. It's only like 30 seconds of footage, but you're seeing her figure things out. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's what makes the movie great is not, I mean, what makes the movie great is that the the movie's a movie. And so, (laughs) you know what I mean? But, and there are some like big bombastic, like him listening to opera as he beats the fuck out of that Mm -hmm. cop is like a huge moment. Mm -hmm. But the reason the movie works is also because it's got these beautiful little subtle things that it does, Mm -hmm. you know, that are easy. Like, it's not going to be the thing that people talk about is like, the 20 best scenes of cinematic history. Oh, the searching scene. For, like, no, <laughs> right. one's, no one's going to name that one, but it's a great scene. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. because it, 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 that's what makes like a great movie a great movie is the mix, the mix of like subtle and, uh, the big bombast. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, before we sort of wrap this up, I have a couple of notes from my wife. Oh, here we um, go. so since, since she's seen this several times, she has things that, uh, she wanted to bring. First of all, she was very upset about this house that Buffalo Bill lived in. Too nice, too bad. Well, she didn't understand the basement at all. She goes, what kind of a lady's house would have this sort of basement? This is completely unrealistic, and I don't get it. And so I I challenged her on it, and I said, well, what do you mean about that? And she says, well, because it's just a normal person's top part of the house and then you go to the bottom and the basement is humongous she's like basements are not way bigger than the top level or the ground level of the house and it just she just goes into this whole like five minute description about how basements can't be that big and there's all these doors that go don't go to anywhere and there's she's like i'm all right with the well the well i can i can go along with (laughs) (laughs) i'll give you the well (laughs) she's like don't come at me with this well talk but the the fact that the the basement is too big, and I said, well, we didn't see how big the house was. Like she's walking all over the place and that sort of thing. And she's like, no, basement's way too big. And it was like that was the end of the discussion after the look she gave me there. So, god damn it. Yeah. So that's that's <laughs> note one. The other note, which I thought was the best, is this is at the very end. So Clarice is victorious. I love the fact, and and this is just me talking, but I love the fact that. She blasts the shit out of him. She doesn't just shoot once and kill Buffalo Bill, right? She just unloads the gun. Um, And so we have this her being uh, confirmed as an FBI agent. And my wife says, she goes, all right, pause it. Oh, shit. Okay. There's some big thing here. And she goes, look at this. Go back right here. And I'm scrolling back. She goes, that's not how you cut the cake. What the fuck? So apparently... If you go back towards the end of the movie, there's this huge cake and it's like the the FBI cake. And this one person is give just back that, give back that Oscar Demi. <laughs> it's just cutting one little wedge at a time and she was just like up in arms and could not believe that that was in there. She's like Listen, that's not how you do it. You'd have an absolute mess by the time you were done. Probably some extra. <laughs> just like, didn't know what she was supposed to be doing. It's like Jesus Christ. Okay. So those are her, her, those are her two main notes that I decided to write down. Because as everyone knows, you, uh, you cut 
big wedding cakes with uh, dental floss, Cameron, because that gets straight cuts, and that's how you uh, that's how you actually do it. So there you go. Or the more you know, eh? <laughs> the more you know. So yes, that was something that uh, in her uh, work-addled brain that she wanted to bring up was that you, that is not the proper way to cut a cake. That's not how you cut a cake. My God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there there you go. Yeah. So those are her notes. She was she would have loved to be here to defend herself, but she's uh, working. I mean, I don't know if there's a thing to defend. You just kind of go, <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, that's how you, you don't do it like that. <laughs> I don't know if that's what the movie was about. It's got to have all the details right. Or, you know, and this is one of the things that I wrote when I when I did my little letterbox thing. And I, and I like to do reviews of le- on letterbox, but I like to have them be about like a sentence or so, especially right. if it's a movie that I'm going to be talking about. But for me, this is about as close to a perfect movie as it gets. Like, I thought that this, like, there's nothing that I can look at. Yeah, there's at not go, really uh, anything I could, like, think of where I was like, ooh, you know, we were cool with this in 1991, but mm-hmm. today. Like, there's not really anything that stands out to me as, like, yeah. you know, unless you want to be like that. I'll say that, actually, what I love about that, too. I love that the FBI office is really just kind of portrayed as, like, kind of a, uh, not a great building. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of, I like that they treated the FBI like a job. Yeah, and we did watch some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and they did talk about how a lot of the production design, they went to places, like the training places. And, oh, uh, yes. And and so they went there, and a lot of them, it's like, yeah, they were, it was really claustrophobic little offices, and that's kind of what we wanted to uh, to portray here. Which I think that's something that then future show, like X-Files, I think, took a lot from mm-hmm. uh, silence in that way. Absolutely. Like portraying... The FBI office is like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like a weird kind of little claustrophobic office. Yeah, especially if we're going to put you in the basement. Oh, yeah. You know, no windows, no nothing. So, so yeah, very good movie. Uh, really glad that you picked it so I could uh, sort of revisit it. Uh, now I gotta that, go. I gotta go rewatch that cake scene. That's right. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta make sure that it is as wrong as she claims it is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta write a real scree on the line. No. About it. That's right. You know, I used this to be a fan. <laughs> I used to be a fan of Demi in this work, but I take it all back. All that's right. A, so a cake scene in full. That's right. People are gonna be like, "What cake scene? <laughs> There's a cake scene." <laughs> There's a cake in that movie. I don't think so. Let me check it out. So yeah, yeah. watch the movie just to try to find that cake. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you can. Uh, and I'm I'm a subscriber to this. Is uh, Filmstruck the Criterion oh, sure. mm-hmm. Turner Classic? I believe it's on there. Oh okay. We wanted to jump on, which people should just jump on Filmstruck anyway because it's very good. Yeah, it is very good. They've got a whole lot of stuff on there that we've talked about. Uh, that's how I watched, uh, I think, two or three of the uh, Akira Kurosawa movies that we talked about not too long ago. Oh, Filmstruck. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, anything about uh, anything else about Silent Soul Lambs before we move on? Um, let me ask you this: What do you think of the rest of the series? Well, I do think that. I think that the Red Dragon version of the Manhunter Red Dragon, I think that that is um, sufficiently gross, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially with the chair and uh, all of that kind of thing. I do like, uh, isn't it Emily Watson? Emily Watson, yeah. I think that she's very good. I like her in just about anything, though, so I think that she's very good in that. Um, I think that uh, uh, Ray Fiennes is very good. 
in the in a very over the top performance. I agree. Yes. Um, I think it's, Man- it's it's a it's weird in that like it's a movie that like honestly like I it's got so many great performers and yet I I feel I don't really feel much watching it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which yeah. I, and it, it's easy like a lot of people do it. It's easy and then he turns out he's a piece of shit. So it's really easy now. Is uh. It's a Brett Ratner movie. Mm-hmm. I've always jokingly said uh, Brett Ratner doesn't have a wide shot into uh, a single soap opera like close up that he didn't like. <laughs> That's pretty much his directing style. That's what he does. Wide to close. Uh, yeah, wide to close. That's all it is. Wide to close. <laughs> um, which is fine and can be okay at times. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't. It, un- Hannibal, a lot of people hate on Hannibal. I think Hannibal's kind of found like a secondary life to some extent almost. Um, That'll be interesting but, to to check out again because I just remember that for the brain eating and the Julianne Moore of it all instead of being Jodie Foster. I I do enjoy Gary Oldman. Okay, that, as the as the as a as his character, mm-hmm. which is just like an insane person. Yeah. <laughs> um, that Hannibal made insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but I do feel like but those two movies at least Silence and Hannibal and Manhunter have a very distinct director style to it mm-hmm. like here's our movie uh Red Dragon kind of just feels like it's there and it happens to have Anthony Hopkins in it yeah 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 I remember having it you know I remember when Red Dragon came out and I was like oh okay it's Anthony Hopkins again we're going to have the sort of Manhunter story but not be uh like as 80s because it it's a good movie but it is like screaming 80s, right? Have you rewatched? Have you given that rewatch? The Manhunter? Yeah. No. Well, I mean, didn't did we watch that? I don't know. I, Even if we had, I, I I think it's worth a because I know I, I know sometimes people confuse it for uh, to live and die in L.A. Oh yeah. Well, we uh, I mean, we I definitely have seen it fairly recently, like maybe in the last couple of years or something. Yeah. I, I I personally love it. I feel like you can very much tell. That um, uh, Michael Mann would then go on to do mm-hmm. uh, Miami Vice. Mm. Okay, loves the pastels and that sort of stuff, right? Oh yeah, well uh, yeah, and, and but I I really love it. It's very it is very eighties. But whenever people say that, I think people think of movies like Footloose. Oh, <laughs> or Flashdance. <laughs> I just mean like synthesizer synthesizers and William Peterson in the short shorts and and just uh, you know it just feels like it was made in the eighties to me. For sure, but yeah, I think I think it's definitely worth a uh, another poke. I know Scream Factory put it out like a year or two ago. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. looks real good. Well, and Brian Cox being Lecter is uh, Brian Cox can uh, do very few things wrong too. So yeah, he's it's a very interesting, different Lecter, mm-hmm. which I kind of like. A lot colder, a lot uh, more detached. It feels like so. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's good. What about the uh, the redheaded stepchild? What about Hannibal Rising? Have you seen that one? Never seen it. <laughs> no, I didn't bother never, with it either. I've never seen it. That said, Hannibal the TV show is amazing. Ooh, see, now I have had so many people tell me about this show. I have not seen a single second of it. It's great. And I cannot believe with it being Mads Mikkelsen, who at once, who at one time in my life was my favorite actor, I used to proclaim, that I have yet to see it. Oh, it's, I think it's all on Amazon. Really? Okay, well, we have, uh, we have Amazon, so. It's worth a poke. I it's know so what good. I'm doing later. Oh yeah, so. it's so it's so good. Him and uh, the actor playing Will Graham, they mm-hmm. basically kind of make it a love story between him and Will Graham. Okay. And then the last season is a retelling of Red Dragon. Because they were basically going to keep trying to go through the series, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yes. Yeah. And oh and man, what did not make it. What what could have been? <laughs> what could have been? That was uh yeah. That was sort of like the in, like the uh the, the like the audience darling, but the the audience darling that didn't actually watch the show or something like that, I remember, because I knew yeah. that a lot of people were talking about it, but then the ratings were never very good. It was kind of like it's kind of like Friday Night Lights in that way. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Where it's like it was on, people liked it, but not enough people were like watching it to make uh you know, so it only got 3 seasons and every every once in a while, you know, some there there's sort of a well, could it come back for a limited six mm-hmm. episode of Blue mm-hmm. Blue? Which, I mean, considering the time we live in, it's very possible. Right, right. Well, and then isn't it uh, Brian Fuller that was in charge of that? Yeah. And then he was going to do the new Star Trek series and then had complications and fell out of that. And Well, he was going to do Star Trek, and he was doing at the same time. The reason, at least publicly said, why he couldn't do Star Trek was because he was doing American Gods. Mm, that's right. And then him and the kosher runner of American Gods left American Gods. <laughs> right, yeah. And then they had a, the, uh, the the showrunner of uh, Star Trek leave that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. A lot of, lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving pieces. A lot going on. That's right. All right, so before getting into our second film, my selection... We should mention that we are also sponsored by Blue Apron. Blue Apron delivers all the fresh ingredients and recipes you need in exactly the right proportions to make simple, seasonal, home-cooked meals. New recipes are created each week by Blue Apron's culinary team, so you'll learn to cook with new ingredients, cuisines, and cooking techniques. Meals are between 500 and 800 calories, and they start at $8.74 per serving. You can choose between vegetarian classic or family plan options. And if you want to add in some wine there, Blue Apron can do that as well. Shipping is always free. Just follow the link in our show notes or head over to blueapron.com and enter the promo code plain label. Blue Apron discover a better way to cook. In our second film, it is according to IMDb, it is from 2016 and it is called Raw. This IMDb plot synopsis. All right, bear with me. Here's how it goes. According to IMDb, the plot synopsis is like this. Raised as a rigorous vegetarian, doe-eyed freshman Justine is sent off to the reputable veterinary school where the black sheep of the family, her big sister Alexia, is already studying. There, as Justine leaves the familiar shelter, shelter, 
she will abruptly move into a mad new world of school traditions and vicious initiation tests, and before long she will be forced to chew over her devout uh, herbivorous beliefs, descending deep into her uncharted animalistic tendencies, an unprecedented and equally unquenched craving for raw meat will replace repulsion, transforming Justine into a monstrous carnivore, ravenous for human, for human flesh. In the end, now that Justine's corporeal awakening is finally complete, is there a point denying her hunger? Jesus Christ, that was, uh, that was what like a, a, what some, a mouthful. That, <laughs> that was someone's like, uh, master's thesis there. I'm going to sound as intelligent as possible for you, uh, (laughs) for you plebes who do not understand all the words. So they did it. (laughs) They did it. So this is raw. This is a French film. Mm -hmm. This is our only foreign film, which was, uh, not really by choice, uh, because, um, you know, I do love some foreign horror. Oh yeah. And we'll talk about why. Uh, when we get into this, but what uh, was this a first watch for you, or what was your history with this movie? It was a first watch, and I was Ooh. excited to do so. Awesome. Uh, I had heard about it uh, on the festival scene mm-hmm. uh, in 2016, and uh, when it came out in theaters, came out very kind of quickly uh, in theaters uh, last year, or maybe it was earlier this year. It was one or the other, um, but it was pretty quick. It felt like it was one of those like here and gone things. And I was like, ah, damn, I wanted to see that because I remember the poster, and also I remember the talk which is uh you know one of those things that happens when any of these kinds of movies come out which is like people were throwing up at the <laughs> festivals people were barfing <laughs> so you're like oh my god i gotta see this people were barfing um <laughs> where do i get in line yeah people are barfing? <laughs> uh, but i feel like there's always one of those movies every year at every festival there's always the like this is the one that made people barf <laughs> Uh, and it's never, it, it's never like, and then I watch it and I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I really liked it, but I did kind of have that, like, when it was like, people were barfing, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really funny. So this was the first watch for me. I think I, what it had happened was I searched up like the, the best horror movies of the last 10 years or five years or something like that and just found some list. And was like, oh, okay, Raw's on there. I I don't know about that, so I'll pick that one. And so I watched this, and it, for anyone who wants to check it out, it is streaming on Netflix. Uh, if you uh, don't want to be spoiled, then sorry about it. <laughs> We're going to spoil it. Yeah, deal, uh, deal, you babies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so I didn't know anything about this other than, you know, it was Raw, and I saw the poster, and obviously I could figure out that it was going to be about cannibalism, right? I could figure that out. And so I start watching this movie and there was a time where I almost puked. Oh, there it is. <laughs> and so I would have been one of those people to where I was like, it almost made me barf. <laughs> which, which, uh, which, which scene was it? Now the scene where I almost threw up was the bathroom sequence after she's meeting with her professor and she's eating a lot of her own hair it seems like (laughs) and she's like kind of like sucking on her hair it looks like or just kind of like playing with it and then she goes to the bathroom and just keeps pulling hair out of her mouth and keeps like sort of throwing up sort of gagging Mm -hmm, oh mm -hmm. so gross 
<laughs> oh, God, it gives me the queasies just thinking about it. <laughs> and and so that you gotta, is... Gotta love those queasies. <laughs> so, you know, the time-honored queasies. And so yeah, yeah. those are the... Uh, that that's the sort of stuff that really grosses me out. Like if they're in in horror movies, like it's um, things being like in someone's throat is what really kind of mm-hmm. makes me squeamish. And, and so that was definitely the one, the one that got me. But what I thought was interesting about the beginning is, you know, I don't. We have this first scene where it's on this highway, and and it seems like someone maybe jumps out in front of a car, and then a car crashes, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like. What, what is this? What is what is happening? Yeah, I was like, what is this all about? And the we have the character go to uh, go to the uh, the school, and we have this sort of very strange and very much not from the United States hazing sort of situation, where we're throwing oh, yeah. all of the shit out of the dorm rooms and uh, making them crawl around with just their underwear on and that sort of thing. <laughs> and I was like, this goddamn dorm experience could not be a worse thing for me. Like, this is my absolute nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that. Yeah, so it's just like, and I was like enjoying it, but I'm also like, oh, fuck. Like, I can't even imagine. Right. And at that point, I guess I hadn't really paid close enough attention, but I'm like, you know, soon after, I'm like, wait a minute, this is a a veterinary school? Like, God, Mm -hmm. these people are hardcore for being a bunch of vets. (laughs) I know, no joke. Listen, that's that's the game. (laughs) I guess so. <laughs> wow. Wow. We, so yeah, so that was really, uh, disturbing. I thought, um, when I was watching the, uh, during the hazing and they start crawling. Oh yeah. I thought that that was a very memorable, uh, and well lit sequence because I'm like, Ooh, God, it's almost like they're, it's almost like they're possessed or something the way mm-hmm. that they were moving. And I thought that that was really sort of, uh, evocative. And then they end, and it ends up being this huge party. And then that was the thing where I was like, no, I'm fucking out of this. Like, no way. <laughs> I forget this, bro. <laughs> it's like, you know, the, the whole, uh, possession and crawling stuff. Oh eh, yeah. No big deal. But this huge party where everyone's, uh, on drugs and making out with each other. And it's, oh, there's, there's so much sweat, Cameron. There's everyone is so sweaty. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, this isn't, this isn't for me. <laughs> I am not for this. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so the, the first real disturbing scene for me though. Oh yeah. The one that really got me was she, she eats this rabbit kidney. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's sort of forced upon her by her older sister, who I think the older, I think both the main actresses were great, by the way. Oh yeah, they're really good, yeah. And, uh, so we get this, uh, forced kidney, um, down scene. the, yeah, forced kidney scene. And then we have the allergic reaction. And the oh. allergic reaction of her just scratching at herself was so gross. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> we talked in the in the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three podcast about Freddy and the skin. Oh yeah, right. The mar- the marionette scene. And this was so realistic with the way that they did the makeup of making it look like she really just did rub herself raw or scratch herself raw. And I was like, Oh, gross. And <laughs> I don't like it. Ugh, ew, yuck. And so this was, you know, this was the thing where it was pushing all of my buttons in terms of things that really make me kind of squirm and, right. and uh, are, were upsetting. Mm. Yeah. Any kind of like foodie thing is usually something where I'm like, Ugh! <laughs> 
<laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, this, I really dug it. I mean, obviously this movie's not really subtle about what no, it's yeah, trying absolutely. to say about leaving adolescence and uh, becoming your own person. Mm-hmm. Pretty on the, pretty on the nose. And that's fine with me. I, mm-hmm. I don't mind a good horror movie that's like, here's what I'm doing. Um, I thought it worked. Yeah, I love the two lead actresses. Um, it is gross. I will say, I think this, the, the hype machine might have hurt me a little bit okay. in that I thought it'd be a little grosser. Mm-hmm. Uh, like as gross as it got, there was those moments where I was kind of waiting for the ante to be super ups. Do you know what I mean? Mm, sure. I was waiting for that moment. Like I was waiting for that moment that made me go like, no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, that's also me who watches a lot of fucked up horror movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I think it was to my benefit that I, I hadn't watched the trailer or anything before seeing this. Right. Whereas I had, I had, I'd seen okay. the trailer. So I knew like the, um, scene where she's biting on the guy and the blood's coming down his shoulders all that's like i knew that was all coming mm, okay because it's yeah. in the trailer yeah like the uh <laughs> another sequence and, and and this is one of the major ones i think is uh is the waxing scene oh mm-hmm. and so we have the older we have the older sister trying to teach her how to pee right isn't that isn't that that scene mm-hmm. and uh she's trying to teach her how to pee standing up and that doesn't work and and uh so they go and they start you know like sisters do they uh the older sister starts giving the younger sister a bikini wax basically wait what a scene and and so it's the the second go cuz the first of course the first time they do it it's very much like 40 year old virgin style stuff mm-hmm. and and the second time the the uh the tape doesn't doesn't budge <laughs> and they're just pulling at the skin and it made me think of uh it made me think of like Hellraiser with the with the makeup and I'm like, "Oh, gross. Oh no, cuz I was thinking they're going to just pull like a chunk of her skin off or something." Oh god, it's it's so my god. And we have instead this uh, you know, she kicks her. She kicks her older sister. And the older sister who had scissors in her hands falls and comes back up. And is missing a finger. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. You know, cause again, I knew it was about cannibalism, but I didn't really know anything about where this was going. Yeah. And so she goes over and, and the sister, the older sister passes out and she goes over and picks up the finger and, you know, it's bleeding and she's like looking like she's going to try to take care of it. And then gives her a little taste, gives her a little lick here and there. Just a little one. It's not a big yeah. deal. And then starts maybe going like a little mini corn on the cob from, uh, from big, sort of like a little, just a little, uh, just a little nibble here and there and oh, starts, so good. and starts just going after this little finger. And I was like, holy gross. That scene, that scene in particular is the one where I'm like, Oh, I wish I was watching this in like a packed house. Oh, absolutely. With an audience just to hear those like, Yeah, it'd be very much like the the way that you described hereditary with the mom in the background oh yeah i'm like oh god i wish there was more people around me (laughs) who were (laughs) equally disgusted oh i know it oh and so that was something that uh you know that was that was pretty tough and then i did think it was real interesting and because you expect the sister wakes up and she flips out and is like what the fuck you ate my finger what the fuck is wrong with you and it doesn't really go that direction. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I was like, wow, I don't know, like, I don't know if this is just a foreign sensibility or what, but I don't know where this movie is going. I know. And that's, I, to me, I was all about that. I mm-hmm. loved kind of being like, 
slightly off kilter with the film. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm all about this. Yeah. And, and I do like, I don't know if it's just the rhythms or if it's just the, uh, the, the fact that they don't sort of have to fall into the Hollywood tropes or what. Mm-hmm. But it, it was, it did make it a little bit more of a intense experience because I was like, God, I don't, I don't know where the, this is, it feels less safe to me than a movie as, as good as I thought it was as a movie like A Quiet Place or something where I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of know where this is going. Yeah, you know the father's going to care for the family. He's not yeah. going to suddenly eat them. <laughs> right, exactly. John Krasinski wasn't suddenly going to go ravenous and try and eat his wife and kids. Yeah, he's not going to turn into one of the monsters or something. Yeah. Uh, and so, so yeah, I, I liked that. Um, some of the things that I thought were fucked up was I love the fact that the older sister is, she's a terrible person. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like that they uh-huh. didn't shy away from that. <laughs> like, she's awful. You know, and they have the thing where the younger one is, going through withdrawals and they have her and she just gets trashed drunk. And the older sister like posts this video of them playing around with her when she's so drunk and trying to get her to eat uh, a dead body. Oh, um, and they, and they show that as one would if they had like a, like a sex tape or something is like the, the way that it kind of goes around school. Yep. And I thought that that was really effective. We get the reveal about the sister and about her deal, and then we have a little bit of like a mentorship that I thought was interesting. Uh, I did put in here for you that I have, we have a, a new, uh, we have a 2018 version of saying, yo, Adrian, I did it. <laughs> 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 because the, uh, her roommate is Adrian and he is, uh, he's very much her caretaker, the, the younger sister. He's very oh, yeah. much her caretaker and he's gay and, and they have sex at one point and, it's the it's the scene that Cameron mentioned earlier where she does bite into his shoulder, I believe. I think mm-hmm. that, that that that's him, right? Yes. And she bites into his shoulder, but she is like full on crazy ass when they are uh, when they're having sex. Like she's oh, yeah. she's like full crazy. And I was like, wow, how tough of a scene is that to do? I would think. I don't know. That's a good question. And it's like that. No, that wasn't crazy enough. I need you like twenty percent more crazy. Let's do it again. Yeah, I need you full bunk. (laughs) (laughs) So that that was really interesting. And then tell me about what you thought about the the final stinger here at the end of the movie. Ooh, I'm about a week removed. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's uh, with the dad where they have lunch with the dad. Um, they get them out of the uh, they get them out of the school because the girls end up feuding essentially, and they like bite each other's wrists. And they have to be removed and they're like full on fighting with each other. And then they get back to the home and the home, you never see the mom's face, which I thought was weird. Like you never see like a full on just straight up picture of the mom. Right. Here she is. Yeah. yeah. And so you, uh, the dad's talking and he's like, well, you know, it's good that you, uh, um, are okay. And you know, we tried to make sure that you were a vegetarian, blah, blah, blah. And then he unbuttons his shirt and reveals all these scars and cuts and all of this. And we find out that the mother, is uh has been this sort of being and has passed it along to her two daughters. <laughs> That's right. And the dad is like all all gross and cut up. And up until that point, the dad had been kind of an ass and he was the one that was really strict, especially with the younger daughter, because she's the you know, she's kind of like the the A student that can do no wrong and all of and all of the uh professors praise her and all that kind of thing. Right. Um, and, and so I like the fact that, uh, no, this is just a thing and we just tried hiding it from you. 
So. Yeah, I don't know. It made me laugh. Like, and not in a that's so stupid kind of way, but in uh-huh. a way where I'm like, that's crazy. I'm for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so so Ra, check it out. It's on it's on Netflix streaming. It's on Netflix. It's foreign. Uh don't let that stop you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have shown it's one this of those things that seems to stop people. <laughs> that's right. I've shown this trailer to my wife. She said, No chance. She watched it and was like, No way. Not gonna happen. <laughs> you gotta just be like, Come on. It's so like, hey, uh, <laughs> So, so we're gonna watch a movie. Um, here's what we're watching. Just tell her, tell her the French title. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's called Grave. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not the trailer that you saw. This is, this is, uh, same actress, same actress. This looks familiar. I don't know why. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think they had to use her, uh, some of the sets again. I don't know. Just keep, just, just watch it. You like salmon? She eats salmon. It's fine. <laughs> you like salmon? <laughs> That'll be the whale. Yeah, selling selling point for a film. Yeah, that should be on hey. the poster. Yeah, you like salmon, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is is that's like that was a it was just like a gross way that she eats it. But then oh. I'm sitting there thinking of it, and I'm like, well, what's the big deal? <laughs> like my kid eats salmon. She doesn't quite eat it like that. <laughs> There's nothing like watching a character eat spaghetti. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Anytime a character eats spaghetti in a movie, I'm always like, um, like that was like, um, what was, um, um, killing of a sacred deer. Mm-hmm. There's this amazing spaghetti eating scene. <laughs> Although nothing would ever be gummo. Gummo is the spaghetti eating scene. Oh, the kid not, the t- yeah, I've not seen, I've not seen that one. Oh man, that might, we might, we might need to do a spaghetti month. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Watch gummo, perfect. Perfect. Watch killing of a sacred deer. That's right. <laughs> we'll get all of them out there at the same time. We'll get all spaghetti fest. We'll call it the spaghetti films. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not spaghetti westerns. Just spaghetti. Great spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything else about uh, about Rob before we uh, close this one out, Cameron? Really, Doug, I'm glad we got. I'm glad you, know, you picked this one because this was one I was wanting to watch. Like, I, I think it was the only. I think it's the only film I hadn't seen of the eight. Mm. So for me, I was kind of like, ooh, fun, because yeah, I'd already I'd seen all the other ones. Oh, gotcha. Well, there you go. I'm glad I brought uh, one one new thing. That's what I contributed. One new thing for Cameron. That's all you need sometimes. That's right. All right. Well, wrapping us up, if you have any comments, suggestions, or movies that you'd like to hear us talk about, you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show over at Twitter. Our handle's at plainlabelpod. You can follow me. I'm at ericwilliams79. We also have a Facebook page and an Instagram account. Just search for Plain Label Podcast, and you'll find us over there. If you wanted to help us out a little bit, you could check out our show notes where you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list, which does have the Silence of the Lambs Criterion edition on there if you wanted to get that for us. Or our Blue Apron link or our Audible link where, again, you can get something for free just by signing up. So I do want to thank Cameron one more time for coming on and talking about some horror movies, which really takes a lot of doing to get Cameron to talk about some horror movies. Really if difficult. Really, it's really. To, <laughs> if they wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you, where could they do that? Ah, uh, the best thing is twitter.com slash Jurassic Alien. I'd also recommend because this last month it has been Halloween. Uh, Camerice photo, my photo Instagram account, mm-hmm. uh, where you can see me having done a Freddy Krueger shoot with my a friend of mine. I did yesterday a uh, shoot with like a kind of a Final Girl motif. Uh, kind of a thing, and that turned out really well as well. So go check those out for sure. Yeah, those are very fun. Very fun. I, I particularly enjoyed the Nightmare on Elm Street ones. I, I like that a lot. 
Yeah, those have been. I was really happy with how those one came out. Yeah, very good, very good. All right, well, thank you for listening. And Rachel and I will be back next week with our new theme of young adult movies, and we're starting with films from the '80s. And the movies are The Outsiders and Risky Business. Ooh.